Well, good morning, everybody online. Pastor Wayne here from Summit Church of Douglas County. Hope you're doing okay today. I know we got some folks that are not feeling well, but we are glad that you're here online, at least in person. Johnny and I have got a great worship set plan. I've got a message from First Peter. It's going to be really good. Hey, I want to give you just a, a quick note about the fall retreat. Watch this quick video, and we're going to be playing the same video in church, so don't work, everybody. You'll, you'll get a chance to see the, the video these folks are seeing. But this, this is the week of our fall retreat. So we're going to be heading up this Friday afternoon after work, and they're going to be spending um, Friday night and Saturday most of the day in our Holy Spirit weekend, the Alpha weekend away. So check this out. Hope you can make it. Make your plans to join us. If you haven't registered yet, go to mysummitchurch.com and click the tab on the upper left-hand corner and register for the retreat. Check this out. Hey everybody, Pastor Wayne from Summit Church of Douglas County. I'm here at Rampart View Ranch, just above Sedalia, about eight miles west of town, right there on the foothills near Devil's Head. It's a beautiful facility. We're going to be doing our fall retreat here, October 29th and 30th, and we would love to have you come join us. It's all about the Holy Spirit, and who is the Holy Spirit? What did the Holy Spirit do? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, these questions and more will be answered, and then we're going to spend some time just seeking the face of God. And many of us are going to pray a prayer just saying, come Holy Spirit, come into my life. I welcome you. And whenever we welcome God in, He always comes, and He always does His good work. I hope you can join us for the retreat. The cost is about $55 per person, but don't let cost be a reason why you don't come. Um, the spacing is limited, as you can see um, with the bunk beds in the area that we have, but we've got at least 20 spots available, and we would love to have you come on the fall retreat. So God bless you guys, and check out these views, unbelievable views of Douglas County. Isn't this something? Forget I have the microphone over here. Good to see you. So take this. We shared this link with somebody online, Pastor Wayne H. on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, Instagram. This is your five-minute warning, five minutes before we get started with worship. So grab a Bible, grab a pen, grab a notebook and a friend, and we're going to start worshiping in five minutes, everybody. We'll see you soon.
21 seconds, 20 seconds left of the clock here for our Facebook family, those who are online. Good to see you this morning, everybody. You're healthy enough to be at church. Feels good. Glad you're here. And, uh, you know, we can, we can go through difficulties and and all the hardships. And I know we got people watching online today. In fact, Meredith, will you, I mean, hop on, maybe look at, at my Facebook wall. Uh, and there's many places you can look. You can also look on the church Facebook wall just to greet everybody. Say hello. Tell us where you're watching from today. And we let, just let us know your prayer request. If you want special prayer today, we'll pray with you online. But uh, this song is called Who You Say I Am. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says. What matters is what God says about you and I. Amen, somebody? So let's, let's sing and proclaim that here today. Free at last, he has ransomed. 
Thank you. 
day of all of our hurts. Calm all of our fears. Heal all of our diseases, Jesus. Your name is bigger. Your name is higher. Just take a minute and just praise God in your own words. Just tell him that you love him and why you love him. God, I need you. I need you more and more, Lord. Tim come up and do the one year, but I'll, uh, I'll pinch it for him here today. Tim and Lori, I'm sure you're watching online. We miss you guys when you're not here. You make a real hole. All right, well, the reading today for October the 24th, the highlighted verse in the one year Bible, is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. How appropriate. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God's word is always the perfect instruction. The preacher might get it wrong, the book never gets it wrong. The book always gets it right. Amen, somebody. Well, we have a couple minutes left here. Let's, I wanted to pull up an oldie but a goodie here today. It simply says, here I am to worship. This song 
Oh 
your love today. Even though it's hard to believe. But you declared it. You declared it when you sent Jesus. And Jesus, you explained it when you said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So Lord, we receive your love, even though we know we don't deserve it. We want to rest in that love today. So bless the study of your word. Bless each person that's here and those who are watching online, those who might listen later. Heal those who are sick in their body, Father. We thank you that you are a healer and nothing is too hard for you. In Jesus, you shed your blood. You took the stripes on your back so that we could be whole. We worship you. Well, we worshiped a little longer than normal here today, but I think that's okay. Hey, would you air five somebody, say hello, or greet someone online, share this link with a friend if you're online, and we will get started with the word here in a minute. Hey, Max, will you play that video at this point? It's regarding the retreat this weekend. It's at the end of the set. Pastor Wayne from Summit Church of Douglas County. I'm here at Rampart View Ranch, just above Sedalia, about eight miles west of town, right there in the foothills near Devil's Head. It's a beautiful facility. We're going to be doing our fall retreat here, October 29th and 30th, and we would love to have you come join us. It's all about the Holy Spirit, and who is the Holy Spirit? What did the Holy Spirit do? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, these questions and more will be answered, and then we're going to spend some time just seeking the face of God. And many of us are going to pray a prayer just saying, Come Holy Spirit, come into my life. I welcome you. And whenever we welcome God in, He always comes, and He always does His good work. I hope you can join us for the retreat. The cost is about $55 per person, but don't let cost be a reason why you don't come. Um, the spacing is limited, as you can see, um, the bunk beds in the area that we have, but we've got at least 20 spots available, and we would love to have you come on the fall retreat. So God bless you guys, and check out these views, unbelievable views of Douglas County. Isn't this something? Okay, so that is this weekend, this Friday night, Saturday. So hopefully you can join us for it. If you have not registered yet, you can go to the, our webpage, mysummitchurch.com. Click on that registration link at the top of the webpage, and it's pretty easy to do. Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, do I, I don't think I need the actual mic because we don't have, I'm not competing with a swamp cooler today. So you guys can hear me okay with a, without a microphone? You, I'm getting nose from the back row. You cannot hear me? You could come closer too, I guess, but I, I, I will use the microphone then. I'll just no, try not to sh get all Pentecostal on you. <laughs> Everybody, okay. So, uh, in fact, 
Johnny, will you turn this mic down just a little bit? It's ringing because it's a little louder than before. All right, so the book of 1 Peter is one of two letters that we have um, as an epistle from um, the disciple that was known as Simon Peter. And he was uh, an apostle of the early church. Thank you. That's good, John. And Peter was known, the word Peter means rock or Petra. In the, I think it's actually the original Greek, the Greek language, the word Petra means stone or little rock. His nickname could have been Rocky, okay? So Jesus picked Peter. He was one of the main disciples, right? And many people in church tradition believe that Jesus uh, chose Peter to be the leader of the early church. Um, And of course, the Catholic tradition has Peter as the first pope. Well, I'm not sure about all that. Um, there were many candidates for leadership in the Bible. Um, and I don't think there was meant to be one guy who was the ruler and authority over all Christians everywhere at all times. I think the priesthood of the believer is pretty clear that we don't need a second mediator. We already have a mediator. His name is Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. And so that might offend somebody from a Catholic background, but I'm, I'm sorry about that. And he, he burst your bubble about church government, but that's that's not really in the Bible. That's written in other books. It's not written in this book. And so Peter, though, is an important person to study. And we see that Peter made a lot of mistakes. In fact, one of the great things I love about Peter is he was always spouting off of the mouth, saying the wrong thing. And then God would have to correct him. And what I love about Peter is that uh, he wasn't going to sit around doing nothing. He was going to do something. And if he was wrong... Hopefully God would correct him or go, no, 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 Pete, this way. No, no, don't, oh, no, you sliced the ear off of that guy. Okay, let's heal that ear. Let's put that back on. Okay, no, Peter, you know, the whole sword thing, that was more of a metaphor. Why don't you just put that away? You know, he was always, he was a man of action. And you got to respect a man of action. But um, sometimes men of action make mistakes. Well, thank God we have a God who's big enough to can help us correct our mistakes or correct us in our mistakes, right? But you know, you can't steer a parked car. You know that, right? Only a car that's moving can be steered. So I think there's something for a Christian, for the the default mode of a Christian ought to be action. It ought to be movement because you can make corrections as you go on your course. But if you're parked, you're not going anywhere. You're not accomplishing anything. You're not, you're not on the journey. You're stuck. And so I respect that a lot about Peter. And so I've titled my message, Five Stones of First Peter. Now I'm using stones as a kind of a visual or an acronym to kind of think about Peter being the rock, right? And you remember how many stones that David had when he killed the giant? He had five smooth stones, right? So when you think about the giants we're going to kill and the spiritually, how we take on the adversary, we're looking at five stones. I'm just kind of don't go too deep with that, but Peter's name means stone. So we're thinking about that. So the book of 1 Peter, what's it all about? Well, Peter writes this book to Christians who are suffering for their faith, and he's encouraging them to stand firm in Christ. The apostle Peter wrote this um, with the help of Silas. So many people believe that probably Peter um, may not have it, may have not been literate or literate enough to write things down um, because he was a fisherman. He didn't make it into rabbi school. He was a blue collar guy. 
Um, most of what he did, he did with his hands talking and you know doing stuff, but he was not def definitely not a scholar, okay? And so uh, many people think that the Gospel of Mark was dictated by Peter. And that's why it's also the shortest gospel. It's to the point, very brief. You can read the whole gospel of Mark in about an hour or less if you read fast. And it, it just kind of bottom lines everything. It just tells you the ministry of Jesus, what happened when you did this and we did that. He said this and we did that and that's what happened. And it kind of like you're talking just to an ordinary guy. Um, Peter was not like the Apostle Paul. He was not a, a, uh, what you would call an intellectual he was just an ordinary man. And yet this ordinary man had been with Jesus and he was filled with the Spirit's power and he was healing people, doing miracles. And he just had a simple childlike trust in God and God used him to do amazing things. So he writes this book to Christians who are suffering. And it's probably written around AD 60 to 65, somewhere in there, certainly before the destruction of the temple. And um, he does make um, allusions to the writings of Paul in these writings. And so we know that this is early church. And then where does it fit in? Well, Peter wrote from, he says, Babylon in chapter 5, verse 13, which is probably a code name for Rome. So Babylon spiritually represents the world in its system. Um, Babylon, yes, it's a physical place. It's in modern-day Iraq today. But I think Babylon is more than just an old city of ruins somewhere outside of Baghdad. It's more than that. Babylon represents the world system. The world system that flies in the face of God, that doesn't want to be under God's authority. Man's system, man's financial system, man's entertainment industry, man's um, way of doing things, not God's way of doing things. Babylon is always opposed to the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of man. It's a kingdom of self. It's a kingdom of hedonism, of pleasure-seeking, of my way, not your way, <laughs> of my authority and king me. Babylon is all about pleasure. It's all about uh, selfishness and not having to submit to God. The first, the first ruler that we can really probably say is Babylonian, even before the kingdom of Babylon, was Nimrod. If you read in Genesis, the Tower of Babel, which, which means sown in confusion, Babel on, right, Babylon. Nimrod was this rebel who, after the flood, it's like, well, I'm, we're going to build a tower so God can't flood us and kill us anymore. We're going to build this tower above the waters, and we're going to make our way to God, and we'll never be conquered by God again. And he was, he was sort of an anti-God first ruler like that in Babylon, of course, then God didn't like that very much. He scattered the people and confused the languages and scattered the nations. But Babylon has been with us for a long time. So Peter says he's, he's writing from Babylon. Well, in Rome, it was very much like Babylon. And in, in many ways, the culture we live in today is very much like Babylon. America could be Babylon in many ways. When America flies in the face of God's authority, flies in the face of God's word, we want to do it our way. We don't care what Jesus said. We don't care what the Bible says. We, we have our own morality. We have our own sense of right and wrong. Well, that's Babylon. That's, that's man's way of doing things. The breakdown of the book in chapter, by chapter could be this. Chapter 1, he makes a call for holy living. Chapter 2, he talks about our, our identity as believers. Chapter 3, Submission in Relationships. Chapter 4, he talks about suffering for Christ. 
chapter 5 gives instructions for elders and young men in the church. And some key concepts about 1 Peter, next week we'll do 2 Peter, but just today we're going to focus just on this one book, Salvation, Holiness, Being a Chosen People. Of course, Peter was a Jew, right? So he writes from a Jewish perspective. Um, he talks about submission, and he talks about suffering. You can read 1 Peter in about 10 minutes, so... I'm going to preach longer than it would take to actually just read the book. Um, some scriptures worth memorizing, I believe, here. Uh, chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful how you live, to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even they... Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 is probably worth memorizing. It says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about the hope, that your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, They'll be ashamed when they see what a good life that you live because you belong to Christ. Chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, another one worth memorizing. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Oh, isn't that a good one? Cast all your cares on him. He cares about you. Man, I need that. You know, the times that we have in worship are so precious to me. And it's not, I don't do that just with you on Sundays. I do that every day in my quiet time, in my, in my little quiet place in the basement where I'm having my meditation and prayer moments with God every day. I go, God, there's more than I can handle today. Please, Lord, will you take this? I can't take it. It's too much. I'm overwhelmed. Please, Lord. And he always, he always lifts the burden. He always gives me just enough to face each day. And he'll do that for you too. But he won't do it if you don't cast it on to him. The problem is we, we want to take it on and go, no, no, God, I've got this. He goes, well, okay, if, you, if you've got it. But we don't got it, do we? We really don't have it. And we're overwhelmed. So just turn those things over. Learning to submit. And so this is the final piece in my study Bible. It talks about the masculine perspective that Peter writes from, talking about submission Peter uh, tells husbands to treat their wives with respect and understanding. And that if they don't, their prayers will be hindered. Also, elders are told to lead humbly and young men are to submit to their leaders. In other words, the macho male who always has to do to be the boss is not our role model. The, per the person who has to be the boss and always be telling everyone to do, that is not the way of the kingdom. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, be a servant. If you really want to be elevated, come down under as many people as you can and serve as many as you can. That's the, the way up is down in the kingdom. It's humbling yourself. So the, the five stones of 1 Peter, and here's stone number one, the stone of holiness. And this is, again, a, not a popular teaching, but it's in the Bible, okay? So I'm, I'm teaching you what the Bible says. You may not hear this from other preachers or other pastors today. I know it's really weird. I'm teaching the Bible. So strange, but I'm letting the Bible teach itself, and so I know this is unusual. But God calls us to holiness, and it's not very popular. 
<coughs> Excuse me. Peter says, may God give you more and more grace and peace in verse two. And then he talks about a hope of eternal life. Skipping down to verse six, he says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Boy, this harkens back to what we studied last week in the book of James, right? That your faith is tested through adversity and difficulty and it's perfected. When you go, wow, look at the trial I just came through. Man, God was with me and now I'm stronger than I've ever been. I'm trusting God more now than I ever have. I'm starting to learn that my source is not in me. It's not in my cleverness. It's not in my strength. My strength comes when I admit my weakness and I let God live his life through me. That's amazing. And so then verse 12, he tells the, them, he says, and now or, this is the good news that has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, it is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. He calls the church to holy living. Verse 18, he says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value, it was the precious blood of Christ the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Now the holiness that we get is not something that we muster in our own effort or strength. It doesn't come from man's religion. It doesn't come from man's ceremony. It comes by the precious, perfect blood of Jesus imparted, imputed to us. And we just get to receive it, the perfect cleansing that, that Jesus has made. And then... When we receive it, then we walk in holiness. We are holy. We may not feel holy. In fact, we may not even look very holy, but God declares you holy because of the precious blood of Jesus. And in discipleship, through that rewashing of the word daily in my mind, in my language, in my, in my talk, in my actions, I am becoming more like Jesus as he sanctifies me in the process of discipleship, I become more and more like Jesus. Um, he, he continues here, verse 23, he says, So for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like the flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of the Lord remains forever. So this holiness is not something that, that, that comes and goes. It's been imparted. It's been declared over me and I must walk in it. I walk in it. So God's people won't always be popular and that's okay. That's one of the big, one of the big themes of Peter. When you, when you start going, oh man, if I really live this Christian life, 
some of my friends are not going to be able to hang. Like, they don't, they don't want to go to church. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to worship God. They don't want to pray. They don't want to do these things that I want to do. All of a sudden, they're like, uh, what are you doing now? What, 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 what? No, no. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's hard to explain. <laughs> if you'll just give your life to God and you start turning your life over to Christ, you'll want to do these things. Yeah, but I don't want to. Well, no, you, I know you don't want to because you haven't surrendered yet. Like, yeah, but I don't want to. I know, but I have and I really want to. Suddenly, you have this division of the person that you once were and are no longer because you have a new identity in God. Is this making sense? It totally changes everything. And, and it isn't popular. I understand it's not popular. Because the world goes, well, that doesn't sound like fun. Well, it's, everything doesn't have to be about fun. Some things have to be about holiness. Some things have to be about the love of God. Some things have to be about righteous living and doing what God wants us to do. And we, sometimes it's fun, right? Thank God it's not all bad news. But sometimes it's hard. And it's okay that it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. Dying on the cross wasn't easy either. I'm sure coming back to life again wasn't easy, right? If it was easy, everyone would do it. <laughs> but only Jesus could do it. And so we let him do it through us. And I know that being a Christian is not popular, but that's okay. It's okay. And so that brings me to stone number two. And I, I'm so glad that we have people here today we have two or three gathered and more, right? Both here in the room and online. The stone of family. The stone of Christian brotherhood. Christian sisterhood. That's a huge stone. It's a huge foundation. If you had to be a Christian all by yourself and you never had fellowship and there was no one to encourage you, there was no one to say, Here, here's what I would do. There's, there was no one you could bounce an idea off of or ask for prayer from. It'd be Impossible. I don't think it'd be, I'd be, I'd be very, very hard to be a Christian. Thank God he gives us brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, there are times when you are alone in your faith, but you don't always have to be alone. That's the beauty of Christian fellowship in the local church. It's why a local church is so important. And so he says to this, to, to the church here, he says, so get rid of all evil. This is chapter two, verse one. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you'll grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now so that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And then again, here's why I like the whole stone idea. Verse four of chapter two. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Isn't that something? Skipping down to verse seven. Yes, you who trust him recognize and honor the honor that God has given him but for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. So they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As, as a result, 
You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people. Once you've received no mercy, but now you've received God's mercy. Isn't that something? We've been adopted. <laughs> We've been gathered by the cornerstone to say, hey, the church is not a building. We're the building. We are the living stones that make up the living dwelling place of God's presence. That's why when we sing, there's another presence in the room that's not us. <laughs> we go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? God's in here. I, I don't know about you, but I feel his presence when we sing together. I, I, I have a sense that the King of Kings has walked in and he's, he just camps around us and he's like, that's good, that's good, I'm what you need. I'm glad you're here, you're in the right place. Come on, cl climb in my arms, let me, let me wrap my arms around you. Let me encourage you, let me give you some peace today. Let me remind you that you're loved, that you're forgiven, that you're free. I don't know if that's how you feel, but that's how I feel. When I come into God's presence, I start to sing, all my problems and worries and fears diminish. And I begin to see God for who he truly is. I'm like, God, you're amazing. How can I doubt you? <laughs> like, how can I doubt? But in those moments, and when I'm tempted, I'm all alone, it's, it's very easy to doubt. I stumble and I fall. That's why I got to remind myself. I have spiritual amnesia. So I got to get back into the word again. I get back to worship again. Go back to those first things again, the foundation again, those, those simple things. Those simple things help me stay grounded in my beliefs about God. And then Peter encourages people to respect people in authority. Verse uh, 16 says, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. So he said God uses divine authority structures. Respect is important. Even with authorities you don't agree with. Even, even and especially authorities you don't agree with. Now that's not the American way, is it? <laughs> because dissent and insult and comedy and biting uh, <laughs> humor is kind of how we deal, with, we, we deal with these things. And yet we're supposed to respect authority. We're supposed to even pray and love our enemies. Do good to those who hate us and bless those who curse us and... You know, do good to those who use us. That's not easy, is it? And yet, it's what Jesus did. And it's what Peter is saying we should do. This is Peter we're talking about. This is the guy. This is Rocky we're talking about. Okay? This is the guy who messed up a lot. And yet, he goes, no, look, guys, look. Jesus was right. We've got to love our enemies. We've got to pray for these authorities. We have to respect people. Even the people we don't like. The people we don't want to respect. Because Jesus did. He submitted himself. And if Jesus submitted himself to ungodly authorities, who are you to not submit the way he did? We're all called to follow in those footsteps of Jesus. And then he talks about slaves. And of course, this sounds so strange to the modern ear, but he's really talking about people who are employed or people who have jobs, who are people who are serving under difficult circumstances, who have difficult work to do. He says, you must submit to your masters with all respect. Uh, verse 22 Again, speaking of Christ, verse 21, actually. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example. And you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, he nor ever deceived anyone. 
He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Whew. Man, that's the most un-American thing I've heard all day, right? We want our rights, right? I, I demand justice. Ooh, Jesus didn't demand justice. Jesus didn't look to his own rights. He laid down his authority. He submitted completely, even to unjust authorities. He was even willing to be misunderstood. Whew, that's not us, is it? <laughs> not at all. And so, it's so important that we learn that if we're going to be in God's family, we have to take on that same attitude of Jesus. And being in the family means that's part of the brotherhood, the fellowship of his sufferings. When we ident he identifies with us in our sufferings and we identify with him in ours. Does that make sense? That fellowship of suffering, God, God is with us. Just as much as he's with us during times of singing and worship, when I'm in my times of struggle, I'm all alone. I'm like, oh God, I need you. I'm having a difficult time. Lord, would you be with me? Jesus is like, I'm with you. I'm with you right now. You ever felt God's presence when you were overwhelmed and you just finally turned it over and all of a sudden you just felt a peace just wash over you or just, just a sense that, hey, it's going to be okay and nothing has changed. No, none of the circumstances have changed, but suddenly just God gave you just a rest and a peace that doesn't make sense. You ever had that? Raise your hand if you ever had that. Yeah, I, I get that often. And the, the crazier the world gets, the more I have to turn these things over. Because I'm like, this is crazy. Lord, I can't handle this. This is too much. Please, God, please. And Jesus is right there. He's like, yep, yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. So stone number three, and this, this whole thing on being a servant and being a submissive servant leads to the stone of submission. The stone of submission. Now, Peter talks about honoring one another. He speaks about wives honoring their husbands and husbands honoring their wives. And then he speaks to all Christians. In my study Bible, here's some things that it says. It says, the first six verses of this passage, they, they cheer when Peter tells wives to have respect fully toward their husbands. The most important verse for male readers, however, is number seven. Here the apostle calls on men um, to treat their wives with honor and understanding. Treat her as you should, Peter says, so your prayers will not be hindered. Of all the reasons given by the Bible teachers and writers these days for unanswered prayer, this one doesn't get much airtime. But there it is in black and white. Mistreating your wife can short out your heavenly connection. Some women may not like Peter calling them weaker. Perhaps the burly fisherman was not thinking only about who would struggle more uh, to pull dripping nets of fish out of the Sea of Galilee. But in the very same sentence, he also declares that with an equal partner, that the wife is an equal partner in the Christian life, which was a radical statement of spiritual equality for Peter's day and for that age. So both spouses have food for thought in this section. Both may need to adjust their habits. God wants both to submit to his direction, whether it's culturally in or not. So 
with all that said, verse three, don't, he says to the wives, don't be concerned about outward beauty or fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry or beautiful clothes. You should clothe, your, clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. Then he says to the husbands in verse seven, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. And then to all Christians, he says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Woo, man, how relevant is that today in our social media culture, in our entertainment industry, in our political discussions? Woo, we could, we could diffuse a whole lot of conflict if we would just live by these simple verses. And then he talks about suffering for doing good. Verse 13, he says, Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord in your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life that you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if it is what God wants, than to suffer for doing what is wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time, and he never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. And then there's a, this very curious little <laughs> passage that I'm gonna try to explain or explain the views on. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but is a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone into heaven and he is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and the authorities and powers accept his authority. Now that's a strange little passage if you read it. Have you ever heard that before? He went, that Christ went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago. Simply, he's saying that the people of Noah's day had a chance. They had a chance to repent. They had a chance to, to get on the ark and be saved, but they didn't receive that chance. God was, Christ was actually speaking through Noah when he was calling people to repentance and calling people to stop their evil ways, but they didn't stop. 
And of course, there were also these, these uh, sons of God that we can read about in Genesis that were having sexual relations with the daughters of men. And Christ probably was proclaiming his holiness and righteousness to these beings as well. And we don't understand how all of that works. It's kind of a mystery because those guys aren't walking around on the earth anymore. Something happened to them. And they're probably in some sort of spiritual jail, some kind of spiritual perdition. And there are many interesting views on that passage. If you like to do deep dives into theology, what does that whole thing mean? Um, you can, that's a rabbit trail you can get lost in for hours and hours, and I nearly did this week. So anyway, <laughs> chapter four, stone number four, the stone of suffering. So then Christ suffered physical pain. You must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had. Verse, it continues, he says, but be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. You'll be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough in the past of evil things that the godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild destructive things as they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit. And he continues to talk about suffering as a Christian. You're going to go through difficulty. That's normal. It's normal for a Christian to suffer. But God is with us in the suffering. He's there to help us. He's not, he's not causing it to happen, but he is allowing it to happen. And he's strengthening you in your time of suffering. Well, let me get to the fifth rock and we'll finish here. Stone number five, the stone of leadership. And Peter is talking to these young men who are leading the church. He says, and now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I say too, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, because, but be, or because you are eager to serve, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, he will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever and ever. Amen. We got through it first, Peter. Can you believe it? A book in a day.
I know that sometimes being a Christian is a hard thing. In fact, this teaching is all about how can you be a Christian when it's so hard? The whole book is about that. Well, I think we see the nugget here at the very end. Cast your cares on God. You're not going to be rescued out of the trouble. Sometimes you will be. But many times, you're going to have to go through it. And as you're in it, God is going to be with you. He's going to be with you there in the trouble. Well, if you're watching or listening online here today and you don't know the Lord, can I just tell you, God loves you. He created you. God created us to be with him, to have a relationship with him. And our sins, they separate us from God. Sins can't be paid for by doing good deeds. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and he rose again. So everyone who trusts in Christ can have eternal life. And that eternal life begins the moment you, you open your life, you open your heart and say, Jesus, come in. I want, I want you to be the Lord. I don't want to try to do this on my own. I can't pay for my own sins when you already did. And you're the perfect one. So Lord, will you cover my sins? Will you forgive me? Will you come in and take control of my life? When you do that, you sign the deed of your life over to God. You, you pass from darkness into light. You pass from death into eternal life. And if you want to do that, it's a simple prayer of submission to the Lord. I think everyone in the room here has done it, but maybe you're watching, you're listening, you haven't done it. Church, let's pray the prayer out loud for those who might be committing their lives to Jesus. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for being here today, everybody. Keep, please keep the, the rest of the church family in prayer, those who are sick and not feeling well. And uh, Johnny, I'm sure your folks will keep us updated on how things are going. Um, the plan is, if you guys want a carpool for this retreat on the weekend, because it's, it's on Rampart Range Road, so it's kind of, <laughs> I would not go up there with like your Audi or your BMW. I would go up there with a four-wheel drive if you have one, because it's like, there's some ruts and it's a little crazy. So we will, we'll carpool here at the church. Uh, so probably around 6 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock, we'll meet here. Those who want to carpool with us up, up to the Rampart View Ranch, um, we'll do that. Contact us if you're going to be a part of the retreat and all those other things. Um, I think that that's pretty much the only announcements I have uh, regarding all of that. Um, make your plans for our Christmas Eve service. We've got our Thanksgiving potluck is going to be happening. Alpha Course will be back in full swing next Thursday. So um, the normal things are kind of, as, as we're getting well and better and feeling good, uh, our normal schedule is resuming. So why don't you stand with me and I'll give you the blessing and we'll, we'll get out of here. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your presence. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Love you guys. Have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. 
visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.